Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'm here with Peter Diamandis, and this is the next episode of Exponential Wisdom. And Peter, we had a knockout conference in Beverly Hills latter part of January. Yeah, Abundance 360, year eight went pretty well. Yeah, eight out of 25. And I will tell you that the whole more or less morning that you spent on AI artificial intelligence, and then a lot of other kind of software platforms. But being an enhancer, a simplifier, a multiplier for entrepreneurial companies was just a huge hit. And you very kindly let me contribute a little bit of thinking tools. So I created a form for them to think about it and give themselves where they are right now, what's available to them, and where they want to be in a year. And this was a huge hit. So I don't know what the response has been to you since then, but this whole notion of just taking advantage of technology as the multiplier of what you already have as an entrepreneurial company, almost making technology a who using the who, not how concept. I think this was a home run. Thank you, pal. And I really appreciate your coaching to have that topic really become center and for me to help teach that and really create the tools around that. And for you know everyone who's listening, I think that we're entering a decade, you know, 2020 through 2030, in which unless you are, as an entrepreneur, thinking about how am I using AI in my business, And, you know, I'll split this and say software as a service in my business or AI as a service in my business, you're going to be in trouble. The phrase I use is there are going to be two types of companies at the end of this decade, those that are using AI as core capability and those that are out of business. And I think it's that dramatic. There are some equally dramatic phrases or quotes from Sundar, the CEO of Alphabet, and from Elon that basically says you're not going to be able to compete. And at the end of the day, your ability to, you know, the phraseology that, Dan, you use 10x your business and that I use really pull off moonshots, you can't throw more bodies at it. You can't throw more people at it. You have to throw really technical AI and software at these things to do what you do more agilely. Dan, what's that Four Seasons quote that you love? I've known about Four Seasons ever since they started. They started here in Toronto, and now they're a global you know, luxury brand hotel, but they have this, a whole series of really neat little formulas that they run a 40,000 person corporation. So you'd think that's a big bureaucracy, but they've actually created some very, very interesting, simple rules that everyone learns. And the big thing is systematize the predictable so that you can humanize the exceptional. So in other words, you want technology to take care of all the predictable activities in your hotel and make sure, you know, that you're delivering as promised. But then the other thing as humans where your guests come in and they want exceptional or they want special treatment, you have your humans available so that they can respond really quickly. And one of the rules that goes along with that rule is they have a rule that if you're an employee of the Four Seasons and anyone from the outside you know, and I guess you can know it because they're not wearing a Four Seasons uniform. They come and approach you and they ask something, you stop what you're doing and you take them directly to the person 
who's actually going to handle this issue. And then you go back and you start your work again. It's amazing. I've had that experience. So they're able to create a whole series of other simple rules because they have one central rule and they have a relationship with technology. And what I loved about them, they were the first hotel chain that when you checked in and you went to your room and you picked up your phone, they said, yes, Mr. Diamandis, what can we do for you? And they were the first one. And you got up there and you said how they're doing. And unlike a lot of hotel trains, they never told you about their backstage. Four Seasons never tells you about their backstage because front stage is the only place where you interact with them. You should have an experience. Yeah. I mean, I think the same thing is going to be happening in the medical world and in the educational world and every other world. I, you know, I've talked about publicly my experience of when my father passed three years ago and he's in the hospital. I'm there with my sister who is a a real doctor. I consider myself a MD only by diploma on the wall, not by any kind of ability to help people. And my mom and my father had, you know, a number of things going on at 87 years old. And the doctor comes in and he reads the numbers, looks at the charts, looks at the gadgets, but doesn't engage in the human conversation with Mm -hmm. my father or with us. And it left me cold. And this concept of systematize the routine and humanize the exceptional, you know, I think one of the areas where AI is going to make a huge difference is going to be in the medical arena. And Mm -hmm. we're going to have AI do all the things that occupy doctors and nurses' times today. Mm -hmm. The reading CAT scans or looking at your genomics or looking at your EKG or all of those things. And I do believe probably, you know, I'm going to peg it at 2025, 2026, where it will become malpractice to diagnose a patient without AI in the loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a really interesting. <laughs> One of the things that is important, and just to define it for everybody here, so software as a service is really the ability for you to use the cloud, mm-hmm. and the cloud is basically computational power provided by Amazon or Salesforce or Google, and there's a multitude of large players. And the ability for your data to be resident on the cloud and then software that you rent, basically you pay a monthly service to do the calculations and do the work for you. At A360 this year, we looked at about 20 different categories of software as a service. Everything from CRM, you know, your customer relation database and that Salesforce and HubSpot, and then to HR or finance or manufacturing. All of these are different areas that in the past you'd have to basically hire people who would do this and you might buy some software that was resident on their computers. And, you know, three years later, If the field had changed, you'd have to go and buy new software or hiring new people. But the whole software as a service now says, hey, don't do that. We have the smartest people in the world. Mm -hmm. We are working on improving our software every day. And we're focused on really making it cheaper and more robust every day. So if you buy with us on a monthly basis, you get all of the positive externalities of thousands of people using us. And therefore, the more people use us, the cheaper it is for you, the more we learn, and the better a product we provide. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is uh, 
Peter, just before we started today, we were comparing our 2019 results with each other and how many actual resident team members we have and, you know, what the revenues are and what the profits are. But, you know, in my version of teamwork, the people who are providing my cloud, I count them as a member of my team. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're talking about the technology. We're talking about software and we're talking about the AI. I'm also talking about the humans who are actually improving these things. You know, they're doing a lot of feedback. They're doing a lot of asking of questions. They're doing a lot of understanding how their cloud-based services are actually being used. So I include all those people who, you know, basically every day around the clock and then around the year, they're actually improving because they're paying attention to what kind of emerging issues. You know, in my world, people always have dangers that need to be uh, eliminated. They have opportunities that need to be captured, and they have strengths that need to be maximized. So probably if I take all my outer connections, and we're very deep into the Salesforce world, and we have three individuals who used to work for Salesforce who are now internal to us, and they're working all the time with their compatriots at Salesforce, and we're, you know, the new updates are coming up all the time, and these have to be adjusted. So it's that human technology teamwork that I think that's what I would say about the 2030 between 2020. If you're not doing human technology teamwork, I think you're dead. I think you're dead. You very famously came up with the concept of who, not how. And that applies very beautifully to AI is mm-hmm. your new who. Do you want to spell that out for everybody? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, my entire focus for the last 46 years has been entrepreneurs. And, you know, I've gone up in class over the last 46 years in terms of who we're dealing with and what kind of benefit that we're getting as a company. And what I notice is entrepreneurism, the entrepreneur world is entirely created by aspiration. They aspire to a bigger, better themselves as an individual in the future. They aspire to a bigger, better company, an organization in the future. Then they're confronted with the fact that for the most part, they don't have any of the abilities or capabilities to become that bigger future reality. And that's a stopper for most entrepreneurs. So I would say that the difference between, you know, really great growth-oriented entrepreneurs and those who just hit a level and they stop for the rest of their career is what they do with the result of their aspirations. And some people are so discouraged by the experience of having higher aspirations that they stop having them. They just don't aspire to anything bigger and better. And they more or less are a self-employed jobber. You know, they're just in a job. But what happens, and I said, you know, if you just do a little brain switch when those, how am I going to get to that higher position, when they come back to you and you say, well, I don't know how to do those, you say, well, find the who who does it. Okay. And In our system, we only want the entrepreneur to do the thing that they're uniquely good at, that fascinates and motivates them, okay? So anything that's not really yours, then you should find the person, and that person's going to be on your team inside, or they're going to be outside in the form of providing a service for you outside. So you can grow your who's forever, and what the software and the AI world that has emerged certainly over the last 10 years 
is doing, and I would say it's speeding up very quickly, that it's giving you all sorts of multipliers. That's human technology teamwork that will directly support you in your goals of a bigger and better future. Yeah. So it's who, not how. So it's not, you know, how do I do this? It's who's the who who can do this better than me. It's very interesting, Peter. We have a coach who's just finished his 25th year. He was our first coach. He's just finishing his 25th year. And he said, you know, it's really interesting because who, not how came into our system two years ago. We came up with the idea and went viral. The moment I said who, not how, everybody said, oh, jeez, who, not how, cow. (laughs) 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 I wish I'd known that when I was six years old, I could have skipped the school system, you know. (laughs) My sister is the who. (laughs) (laughs) The system. Uh, So he said for 23 years, he said, I've been saying, you got to delegate. You got to delegate. You got to find out. You delegate. And it was like Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man, yeah, definitely got de- definitely, definitely got to delegate. Yeah, yeah, never delegate. They, they just don't delegate, you know. Who not how comes out and they said, oh wow, wow, this is going to save me all the delegation. <laughs> and it was really interesting. Delegation was not a solution. Delegation was a problem. But who it rings in the brain? Yeah, because you're going up in skill. You're not going down in skill. You're not going down in experience. You're going up in experience. The interesting flip, again, coming back to the theme of this particular podcast, is the realization that we're heading towards a world in which AI will be your who. And when you need something, like I need something designed, eventually there will be a version of Jarvis, an AI software shell that we're all wearing, that you give permission to listen to your conversations, to have access to your data. And the more plugged in your version of Jarvis is, the more capable it is that you will say to Jarvis, hey, listen, I need something designed that solves this problem for me. And that Jarvis will be able to ask you the questions. Maybe it will say, hey, put on your VR glasses and does it look like this? And you describe it and you go from your mind to what you need. And then Jarvis then is the who that says, okay, let's figure out materials. Let's figure out Do we 3D printing it? Are we manufacturing it? And you let go of that. Once you've described the attributes of what you specifically need, once you've created your impact filter for the what you want, if you would, Jarvis will, your AI will become the who that delivers that product and say, I'll get it to you for $10 each in about 27 hours. That's the ultimate who. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I believe there's people. Would you be one of the people who does that? 100%. Yeah. See, I would be one of the persons who would be the other side. I was always have a human between me and Jarvis. I'd have a Jarvis expert because, first of all, there's going to be many Jarvises. It's a competitive consumer market, just like any other market. And some of the Jarvises can do this really well and some of the Jarvises. And I always want a human between... It's a rule I have is that whatever the technology is, whether it's a car, I got a human between me and the car. I have a drive. I hear you, pal. We'll have this conversation in 10 years. Remember, you know, the prediction of human level AI, where your AI is responding to you and communicating with you and interacting with you as a human would that that is, you know, within the next decade. It's nine years from now, 2029, at least by Ray Kurzweil's prediction. And when you have an AI that you can say, just talk to naturally, you can even put a visual face on it, right? So you and I are sitting here over Zoom. 
And I don't know that you're real. All I see is someone who sounds like Dan, looks like Dan, and the bits are coming at to me. You know, it could be an AI presence on the back end of this. I think not yet, but it could be. Peter, Peter, you know I'm real. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm real. <laughs> my feeling is that the technology, from my experience, creates diversity of application, diversity of experimentation. I am not going to learn any more technology for the rest of my life. And as you know, I'm planning a long life. You don't have to. You have to just know what you want. Yeah. Well, I'm not convinced by the examples that we've seen so far that they're really all that smart. You know, like, hey, listen, you know, <laughs> I mean, the rate of change is extraordinary. But again, your point is AI is your new who, and there's a multitude of platforms out there that are providing AI as a yeah. service. So I'll give you one of the well, examples. I, I don't think it's a digital thing that it's one or zero. I think that there's a spectrum of involvement in AI as we go forward. In other words, there's going to be some lead dogs that are just totally 100% plugged in, and their brains are plugged in early and everything like that. But I think that there's a spectrum right now. Look, we've got a couple billion people on the world that are not even at basic literacy yet. You know, the... Electricity rate in all of Africa is 4% of what it is in the United States. You know, so my feeling is it depends on where you are, what your game is, where you are in the game, and everything like that. So, got it. Yeah. You just always want to be among the lead dogs or be a lead dog. I'm going to sit here and project what I think is very firmly where we're going to be in a decade. And my point for this is not to scare people or dehumanize them. It's just to make everybody aware that you need to be running experiments in mm -hmm. the AI world in some way, shape, or form. The rate of change is accelerating. And if you just assume that things aren't going to change, you're going to be sorely out of business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that I want to mention is that you know, when people say, well, I have no idea about what is AI. Mm -hmm. Well, there again, there are platforms out there. There's a mm -hmm. company called platform.ai that the CEO spoke at A360 this year. And they will help you take your data, whatever data you have, and turn it into algorithms. And so all of us have huge amounts of data that we don't realize that we have. And that data could be photographs, that data could be emails, that data can be sales information, <laughs> that data can be who bought, who did not buy, what the weather was that day. And ultimately, algorithms are able to learn, neural nets in particular, can take all of that data in and start to create conclusions from that data and learning from that data. So when you plug in a particular client, you're going to say, okay, the probability is this person is going to buy a video versus a personal interaction. Mm -hmm. And all of these things are critically important. In fact, one of the things that we're doing this year for Abundance 360 members is we are going to be interviewing the heads of these AI as a service and software as a service throughout the year. My goal is that we'll basically interview a dozen of them in HR, in finance, in marketing, in all of these areas so that it's a, going to be a series of interviews of which of these platforms should you use and how do you learn about it, right? Mm -hmm. So get rid of the fear and get people starting to feel comfortable and excited about experimentation. Okay, I've got two questions for you. We go back a year. We're in March of 2019. Yes. The first question is, 
since we've been zeroing in on this as part of the annual Abundance 360 conference, what has surprised you most about what you found out about it since last year at this time? And then I have a second question yeah. after you do this one. What has shocked the living daylights out of me is how many software as a service and AI as a service companies there are, how many products there are. And let's separate companies and products because companies can have multiple products. There are probably tens of thousands of companies and hundreds of thousands of products, which means whatever business you're in, architecture, medicine, dentistry, you know, coaching, financial services, insurance services, there are products out there that can make your business far more efficient, right? The whole idea is how do you 10x your income and your customer satisfaction without adding more bodies, mm -hmm. right? So I have one team member and we're going to be adding a second mm -hmm. team member who's constantly looking at, okay, we have a small team in my PhD ventures group that runs A360 and Abundance Digital. You know, it's a dozen people and we operate, you know, three or four X what I think normal organizations do in terms of revenue per person. But I think we can double that by virtue of using software as a service. Just what's available now. <laughs> or just what's yeah. available now. And the other thing is you don't have to create it. It's there. It's there. It's there. The amount that's out there has shocked okay, me. Okay. My second question, if you hadn't been zeroing in on this and then you got interested during the next year, what do you know from your interviews with the people who are really providing these services and what the way they see their market go that would surprise you over the next year? In terms of the software service yeah, providers? Yeah, where they see it going because they're in the business of getting paid for making these things into services. Yeah, their feelings are we're just at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. The majority of all companies are not fully taking advantage of this and that there is this fear of something new that people need to overcome and need to overcome by experimenting. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think, you know, what we've discussed is individuals need to hire a who in their organization mm -hmm. that is the interface with all the different software as a service and AI as a service. And again, if you're a member of my Abundance 360 community, we'll be interviewing all these companies and please bring your team members, right? One of the things I want to do on you know, Dan, we do about four webinars a month, and we're going to be opening up these webinars to our A360 members, complete teams, to be able to mm -hmm. learn from Salesforce, from Microsoft, from Amazon, from Google, and from the dozen other small companies out there. Ultimately, my goal is, you know, if I can help an A360 member double their revenues without adding staff, that's an amazing result. Yeah. What I notice is that you go for certain areas. So, for example, I shared before that we got two areas that we're going after immediately with any help that we can get in terms of human expertise and also the software backup for this. And our first one was to have people calling us. I mean, we're, we're a good sales organization. We're a good marketing organization. But... The whole point is that there's things like LinkedIn now, there's ways of actually having automated analyzers of LinkedIn relationships and networks and everything else. And we can pre-qualify people and we can pre-motivate people. We can send automated messages out to a group of people such that we measure our progress by 10 
new leads per day per salespeople. We have about a dozen salespeople. That'd be 120 new leads per day. And instead of our salespeople calling them, they're calling us and say, hey, I'm really, really interested. I've listened to podcasts. I've watched videos. I'm really, really interested in this. And could you tell me more? And then we have a standard procedure of how you have the first discussion. And we have a rule. I say, yeses are great. Noes are great and maybe skill you. So all we're looking for are yeses or noes and uh, be able to get through the human side of it because we have to give them the human element once they phone in and say they're interested, then it's gotta be human from that standpoint. But there's a whole other system of being reminded when the next calls are putting it on the calendar, being reminded. I mean, there's an entire structure there and Salesforce has so far provided us with a lot of help there. But the thing about this, and the other one is client retention. You know, I mean, the easiest sale is the one you've already made and you just keep it going. That's the most profitable sales activity anyone has is keep the customers you have and make them happier. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of technological reinforcement you can do with that. And, you know, we're a lot better than we were five years ago. But, you know, when you have this help available, in your business, I mean, you have the business of informing your A360 audience and you do a lot of public speaking and everything else. So you want to know about this for that purpose, for a content purpose. But from a strategic standpoint of the development of PhD enterprises, what's the one you go after most right now? Like if you have that one person, which you have, what's that one person looking for foremost to make progress? I mean, I think ultimately you have to be clear about what you're trying to maximize. What is the numbers, right? And it's running experiments and identifying, you know, how do we drive, you're maximizing revenues, but you're maximizing customer satisfaction at the same time. And then, you know, I actually am looking at a chart up here in front of me of what the products are, and then ultimately how those products are driving you know, the funnel and ultimately how that funnel drives revenues and then how those revenues ultimately impact the world. You know, my massively transformative purpose is the most important thing. Revenue is fine. Revenue is how you measure the game and how you keep growing. But for me, it's how do I inspire and guide entrepreneurs to create a hopeful, compelling and abundant future for themselves and for humanity. And that has to be the ultimate measure. Mm -hmm. I have resonant goals. You've taught people, this is sort of jargon now, the massively transformative purpose. You know, So Dan, what's your massively transformative MTV, yeah. purpose? And I said, fill the next workshop, fill the next workshop. I find if we just fill the next workshop, almost everything in life works really beautifully. You know? But you do have an MTP and I extracted it from you in terms of you know who you want to serve mm -hmm. and what you want to serve them to create. You care deeply about helping people like myself, you're my coach, mm -hmm. and help me, you know, create a, a better future for myself and the world. And then I turn around and coach people on technology. And so it's a beautiful growing yeah. synergy. Yeah. Well, I've got a hundred year old goal. You know, this is when I'm a hundred. So you want me to share that with you? My big goals? Okay, let's, let's then do it, pal. Yeah, because my feeling is that uh, entrepreneurs with the technology that you're talking about and, you know, almost having an independent autonomous sense of growth, because it's just the degree to which you now want to get involved with people who really know a great deal about how technology can multiply your company, 
That's the secret sauce for the future for any entrepreneur. I mean, you don't have to go to board meetings for this. The entrepreneur can make the decision in the next 50 minutes. You can write the check, whatever the check is, and it's really minimal compared to that. The big thing that I'm seeing is the ultimate escape from competition, because competition is the bothersome factor here, because it always involves price comparison, and price comparison is an annoying factor. The big thing you want to do is you want to have humans from one area with one capability collaborating with other humans. So you were an author, you were a speaker, you knew a great deal about technology, but we knew how to put butts in seats in entrepreneurial workshops. So we said, let's create a workshop. So we put two capabilities together, and I haven't seen anyone else out there competing with us for the last eight years. Is there anybody else out there competing? Not that I know. Not that I know. So we've escaped from competition. So my whole point is that over the next 25 years, I'm going to have 10,000 entrepreneurs who've cracked the collaboration code of actually collaborating with other entrepreneurial firms, actually collaborating with big corporations, not the corporations themselves, but somebody inside the corporation using technology. And when I'm 100 years old, which is May 19th, 2044, the GNP, the GDP, GDP, or the gross personal product. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be domestic. Yeah. It'd be the GG, the gross global product of strategic coach. All that the revenues that are being generated by ten thousand strategic coach entrepreneurs. You have the United States, you have China, and then probably the strategic coach. Fifteen trillion. I'm looking for in 2044. Nice. I now it's not all my money, but. You know, I'll just check the sofas after they stand up. I'm sure I'll find some listeners. I hope to contribute a trillion. Yeah, a trillion would be great. It. Well, you are. The learning <laughs> that I've gotten out of our collaboration has actually opened me up to all sorts of possibilities. Because if you have this human collaboration supported by exponential technology, you're thinking in terms of thousands and ten thousands times. You know, it's not ten times. It's a so, pal. Let me yeah. let me wrap for our audience with a couple of concluding thoughts here on for software as a service and AI as a service. Again, you know, you might be using tools like Salesforce, HubSpot, Slack, and a multitude of others, which is great. Your goal as an entrepreneur is to understand the wider range of services that you can bring in to not replace your employees, in some cases you may, but more to make them more effective, make them more efficient, make them more agile. And all of these companies, if you start using these software and AI as a service, the beautiful thing is that they're improving. If new capabilities come online, they're getting better, and therefore you are riding on top of an ever-improving you know, rocket ship of AI and software as a service. If this is an area that you're interested in, I urge you, get involved in Abundance 360. I'm going to be spending all year teaching you digitally, doing webinars, and you can get involved just going to a360.com. If you're a coach member already, we're going to be talking about this at coach sessions. And ultimately, I think that to remain competitive and meet your goals as an entrepreneur this is fundamental. It's as fundamental as using a website or a mobile phone or email. It's going to be something that is ingrained in every company within this decade. And your goal is to get there before your competition does. And that's as direct as I can make it. Yep. Hey, pal, one thing that I would love maybe in our next module, 
our next conversation. Do you want to go into some of the fun updates on human longevity? Terrific. And some of the companies. Yeah, they're passionate. Our coach clients are just passionate about that topic. Yeah, and at A360 this year, it was voted the number one topic. So we'll be going again into that. And I've been meeting with a bunch of incredible companies, uh, meeting the CEOs, the chief science officers, and I've got some updates for you that I think you'll love. We'll just make that the next of our podcasts. How do you stay healthy mm -hmm. and actually live longer? Your target, again, is 150 what? 156. 156. Um, just coming up on 80 years ahead of me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, when you're at 155, I'm going to ask you, are you ready to die next year? Yeah, I never preclude the possibility of renegotiation when I approach a goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pal. Well, thanks for this conversation. It was fun. You, See bet. you soon. Thank you, Peter.